Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, or whatever time you just so happen to be plugging in. My name is Erica Nicole, and I want to officially welcome you to the Conversations with Erica podcast. This podcast was built out of love and perseverance. It's going to share with you tools and tricks and words of encouragement um, in faith. These words were made to impact you to move forward in your life, whether you are corporate America, entrepreneurship, or just trying to figure it out. I hope there is something in this podcast that can help you move your life forward. Kick back and relax. You're already family, so go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Share this out with your friends, and let's go about the business of God as we move forth. You know, God says, let your light so shine before men, so they will see your goodness and give glory to him. And that's exactly what we're going to do here. So once again, officially welcome to Conversations with Erica. All right, all right. Hey, everybody. What's up? What's up? Oh, my God. It's episode 21. Thank you for chiming in from wherever you are. I just want to let you know how much I appreciate you. And I appreciate our guest, Kaya Glover. Notes from Kaya. When you get into this interview, you will see how our families have been intertwined and connected for so long. But I've been watching this young lady and just seeing the things that she is doing. She has such a passion for mental health in the African-American, the brown, black um, community, as well as in our children. And in this interview, we talk about the layers, the generational layers of mental health and how we can do better, right? How it starts in the home. So kick back, relax, grab your tea, coffee, or anything that you need to really get a full understanding and really take this conversation in. And once you take this conversation in from this podcast interview, take it into your bedrooms, take it into your living rooms, take it to the kitchen table with your family, because it is a much needed and necessary conversation. Hiya. Hello. Hello. I'm so excited to be talking to you. I'm sitting here <laughs> literally scrolling your Facebook page, Notes with Kaya, LLC. And yes. I am thinking to myself, when raising my child, children, my girls, I needed this. <laughs> because I promise my prayer every day was, Lord, don't let me break them. Yeah. Lord, don't let me break them. Because being a parent is not easy and being a parent of girls is definitely not easy right. as well. Yeah, for sure. So it's a big deal. Um, so we're already live in the studio. So of course this will be it. I just want to let you know that this will be part yes. of the podcast because I am about plain talk podcast. Yes. Got it. I don't like that over edited. I don't like that fluff. I don't like filters. I like raw <laughs> and uncut because I feel like there's people what people need. So I want to welcome you to Conversations you. with Erica podcast. I think it's hilarious because our families have been so intertwined yes. for so many years. And I don't even know <laughs> if you know all the history, but like from my grandmother and your great grandmother being best friends. Yeah. My mom and your grandmother are friends. Yes. My mom and your uncle used to date back in the day, <laughs> right? Like crazy. And then here, you know, my kids, 
And then I reached out to you, and now we're podcasting together. Yeah, I think it's dope. Full circle. I love it. I love it because I just love watching you move and the things you're doing. So before we get that raw and real into the conversation, first, I want you to introduce yourself to the audience. I okay. love for people to introduce themselves because I feel like our voice, it should be the most powerful voice in our head. And Absolutely. as women one as women we need to know how to edify ourselves not in an egotistical way but just to say this is me these are my receipts yeah so tell our conversations with erica audience who you are and what you do yeah so i'm kaya glover and i am owner ceo all that of notes by kaya llc i am a licensed social worker therapist also a school social worker and Then I do some coaching. I do one-on-one coaching, group coaching, um, most of it all dealing with parents and children. So getting my master's degree in social work, my um, specialty was children and families. And so that's kind of always been intertwined in my life. And so now I get to help on a whole different level, um, which has been amazing so far. I love it. I love it. I did not know you worked for the school system. Yes. So that's amazing. So do you work for Oklahoma City Public Schools or another yes. system? Yes. Yes. Oklahoma mm. City Public Schools. Which is amazing because I know you're well needed and very necessary. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So we're here. We're, we're ending. We're rounding up Mental Health Awareness Month, yeah. which is a month. But you and I know this is a year round conversation. Always continuous conversation absolutely and it's something that like it has to stay in the forefront I know in my family we discuss mental health a lot that's awesome um it is a generational hurdle but of course we also know generations back what happens in the house stay in the house mm-hmm. right don't be out there telling our business right Like our grandparents would probably just roll over in their graves if they could see our social media (laughs) and how raw and real our social media is. Very open and very comfortable. (laughs) Absolutely. Because I am very transparent in my ministry, in my work, in my life, because I know, just like you know, we don't go through this for us. We go through it for somebody else. Right. Absolutely. But some people will be that open about their personal lives, but not about getting help with mental health. Like that is still a taboo kind of subject for a lot of people. So do you feel like it's more taboo in the brown black community? Absolutely. Absolutely. For the longest time, like what I heard growing up was that Black people didn't even deal with that stuff. We didn't need to see therapists. We didn't commit suicide. We didn't deal with any of that. So absolutely. And we've just been miseducated for so long, which is why I love getting to do the community education piece, because then I can tell you what the real is and what to look out for and that you actually can change your therapist if you feel like this one's not working. You do have a say-so in whether you take meds or not. And so all of that is super important, but we're just not talking about it enough. You know, I am a mother of a six and a half year suicide survivor. I am a black woman that used to have the superwoman um, 
syndrome, but I have mm-hmm. definitely kicked that bucket. I'm releasing that every day. Yes. I come from depression. I come from anxiety. I actually just last week had a very difficult cycle. Mm-hmm. Right? I know full well that between Mother's Day and Father's Day, that is one of the toughest times of the year for me because yeah. that's the season that I lost my daughter in 25 years ago. Right? So I'm aware of that. I take medicine. Yeah. And I like myself better on it than off of it. Right. <laughs> that's the real, right? Yeah. That is the real. I remember coming off my meds and calling my doctor one day and saying, look, either call me something in right now or I'm getting ready to go to the hospital and check myself in. Yeah. Because I felt the pressure of life. Mm-hmm. I wasn't suicidal. Right. I don't have paranoid schizophrenia. I don't have any big diagnosis like that, but I felt the pressure of life coming down on me. And at this very moment, I was crumbling. Mm-hmm. And she said, give me one second. Go to the pharmacy. Go home. Take one. Take another one this time. You'll be okay in the morning. And I was. Yeah. Right. But that's the real deal. That is the real honest truth. Now, like you said, most people are not going to stand up in that. Right. I saw a post on Facebook today and it was like, there are so many misdiagnosed medical conditions, mental health conditions yeah. out here. And that's oh, so absolutely. True. Absolutely. There, and even our kids are getting misdiagnosed. And one thing that a lot of clinicians and stuff are starting to see and talk about is how much ADHD is put on our black boys when that's not what it is. Um, a lot of times it's depression or PTSD. But mm. those symptoms come out very differently in them. Just like I tell people all the time, depression in a black woman is not going to look like what the DSM says it's supposed to look like because we were raised to be strong and we can't afford to take days off work. We can't afford to get out, the, like, not get out the bed for days at a time. If If our moms and grandmas knew we weren't showering, that would be a major problem. So we were raised to go and still move through life no matter what was going on. And so then it becomes unrecognizable. That's why I encourage people, see someone that looks like you because they understand your culture. They understand what different questions to ask. I know with a black woman, I'm not really going to I mean, I will ask her if she's been staying in the bed, but I know that there are other questions I need to ask to find out if she's dealing with depression. With our black boys, a lot of times, it, depression and PTSD comes out more as aggression and hyperactivity because they're trying to get their mind off of it. They're trying to um, keep busy so they don't have to deal with it. And then they go and it's like they don't look at PTSD for black people, period. Especially if you haven't been in the military or whatever, but some of our people are living in traumatic neighborhoods. And the things that they see and experience are traumas themselves, but yet it's not looked at in a clinical setting. And so we have all these misdiagnosed people that aren't really getting exactly what they need because there are certain therapy modalities that we can use specifically for people who experience trauma, but I'm not going to use that on somebody who has ADHD. So then I'm not even working with you in the correct way. 
So, yeah, it's a lot of misdiagnosis going on. Wow. That, and I love how you said that because I currently see a trauma therapist. Mm, And when I said that to my mother, she was like, why are you seeing a trauma therapist? What's going on? What happened (laughs) to you? Because, of course, she thinks molestation, rape, abuse. No, life. Different episodes of life are trauma. Losing a child is traumatic. Yep. Losing a job can be traumatic Absolutely. depending on what happened. And it's even funnier, you said the, some of the things you said, PTSD, trauma. I was talking to a friend of mine who is bipolar. Mm-hmm. And she just recently got on some new meds and she had an episode with her son who they just originally, just recently diagnosed with ADHD. Wow. And put him on some meds. And I said, did he get tested by has he saw a therapist has mm-hmm. he saw a psychiatrist right. who diagnosed him and of course the pediatrician right and i said what color is the pediatrician mm-hmm. and of course he's caucasian they live up in the tri-state area and i told her i said you need to get him tested appropriately there's testing for ADHD and you can't just decide that somebody has ADHD by checking a few boxes right and that of course is what's happening and we see it a lot yeah we're seeing it more than not just with a lot of diagnosis I think that my um the recent one that I'm really really just cackling at is obstinate disorder Mm. and I'm like how are we deciding that this is what it is? Yeah, It's scary. It's scary because as I'm talking to my friends that teach in the elementary school, I have a friend that teaches um, in uh, middle school and she's telling me that more than half of her class and she teaches in a regular classroom, if you will, not special ed or anything like that, mm-hmm. but more than half of her class are carrying these diagnoses. Yeah. And so I asked, I said, well, it's more than half of your class getting therapy. And she says, no. So how do they have? Exactly. (laughs) How do we have the diagnosis? Who's making the decision? Who's making the determination? And even so, what are we doing with it? Besides just giving them a pill. Because I come from a medical background, 22 years nursing. And I totally disagree with appeal for this and appeal for that. Yeah. So if we are diagnosing and then giving appeal, what behavior are we creating? Right. And what are we missing out on? Um, And oppositional defiant disorder that you were speaking of earlier, that is one that gets put on our boys a lot as well. Um, But culture is not being taken into consideration what things are like at home none of those things are being considered. Um, But yeah, a lot of these diagnoses are coming from pediatricians and it's like, yeah, they know some, but they're not studying about how your environment influences a lot of different things. And they're not assessing and taking in all that information. Um, For a long time, my brother 
I mean, even still, like, I'm like, he has ADHD. He's like, (laughs) book, like, textbook for ADHD. And I brought it up to my mom, and she was like, oh, they said he didn't have that. I said, who? The pediatrician. And I went to school for mental health. Like, I diagnose people all the time. (laughs) And I know what I'm talking about, that he does have it. So, even ignoring those disorders and ignoring those issues or say it wasn't ADHD and he had a lot of other things like he's adopted into our family and all of that, Mm -hmm. but we're not looking at trauma. We're not looking at other life experiences that may be shaping what's going on, what we see on the outside. I know one student that I've worked with for several years Um, he would get in trouble for leaving the classroom all the time. Well, he's seen his mother go through a lot. Like, I can't even begin to describe it to you. And it's awful that he's had to see it at such a young age. But he would leave class because he would be worried about his mom, worried about her safety. So they're saying he's defiant. He's not doing what we tell him to do. He's always running away and we're having to chase him around the school but are you looking at what this baby has experienced and what might be going on in his head that's keeping him from learning? Kids love to learn. They may not like the school setting if it's not set up to learn in a fun way, but they love learning new things. That's why they ask him why all the time and things like that. And so when a baby is not doing that, we need to look at what else is going on and not just, oh, that's just who he is, how he is. Well, let's address what is going on under all of that? And that's true. But how do we get... <sighs> is it that the parents are afraid of a true diagnosis and what that means for their child? I think so. I think that's a lot of it. Either they're afraid or they just don't understand. And so it might be, well, what is this going to do to our family? Does this mean that they're crazy or, um, you know, just, oh, I don't want the stigma on them. And so they come from good places, but you may be hindering your child by holding on to those fears. And I know I was doing an intake, I'll never forget, for this one young boy, and his uncle was taking care of him, and we were going through all the questions and stuff, and he seemed hesitant. And I was like, doing this does not mean he's crazy. And immediately his face changed. Like, whew, that's what I felt. And so me being able to connect with that and understand him being a black man, me being a black woman and knowing what that thought process is, I was able to say, no, that is not what this means. He doesn't have to start medication. If you don't feel like that's where you want to start, we will try everything else natural to help him get to where he needs to be. But he has experienced a lot of trauma and he needs a safe space to be able to talk about those things. So it's just kind of the way we think it, the way we understand things, what we've been taught and we carry that with us. I, you know, I don't, another thing that I do is I train individuals that are caregivers for clients with de- developmental or intellectual disorders. Mm-hmm. 
So we had this conversation today. Um, I just came from Enid, Oklahoma, doing an update class. So I was with seasoned caregivers. And I would say I do. I despise the terminology disability. Yeah. My clients are unique. All of us are uniquely and wonderfully made. Yeah. All of us are created very unique, right? I'm not you. You're not me. We don't look alike. Our DNA is different. Our characteristics are different. That's by God's design. I feel like I was telling my class, I feel as though we need to normalize, really have the conversation about mental disorder. We don't understand that more people carry a diagnosis than not. We don't understand that we're more alike than we're different Mm -hmm. in a sense when it comes to that. Um, and I think as we begin to normalize it, because especially you're looking at, you're talking about a black man and a black son, right? right? And most black kids want to be a LeBron James or a mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant or a, uh, you know, for lack of anybody else, just throwing out names. And they don't understand. They don't know they're, who they really are. They just see the outside. Right. So when we think of a disability, when we think of a diagnosis, when we think of an IEP in school, then that's saying something's wrong. And the first thing we think of is severe, right? Yeah. We don't think of the in-between. We don't think of the norm. Right. We just, we miss that part. And I can't figure out the word I want to use instead of saying norm. But the first thing we think of is when we think of disability. Yes, we think of autism on the spectrum. We yeah. think of cerebral palsy. We think of we think of other things. We think of Uncle Uncle Joe who grandma kept in the bedroom and never came out. Right. But we knew he was back there. Yeah. Because that's what we're used to. So we don't understand that Uncle Tom, who was at all the events, had the same thing I have. And he took medicine and went to counseling and he's okay. Right. And he got a job and he got a wife and he got, oh, so that means I can deal with this and have a normal life. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. It's the stigma, Mm -hmm. especially in the brown, black community, women and men. We just don't want to be attached to the diagnosis. Yeah. And I know for a lot of parents, they feel guilt when their child has to go through like if the school says we think it will be good for him to start therapy and immediately they start taking defense and it's like it's not there are things that parents do that can make children's mental health not so great Um, and that's what I support parents in doing is being mindful in their parenting to reduce the chances of your child growing up with depression, anxiety, and things like that. And so, um, but they take it on very personally and like they did something. And so, yes, maybe there may be some things that I can help you correct that are maybe not helping the situation, but it does, it's not. It doesn't mean that you're a bad parent because your child needs therapy necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of parents kind of take that mindset on that. Oh, this means something bad about me when it's, it's not about you. And that's number one. And where we have to understand is 
it's not about you. It's about them and getting them the help they need, adjusting to how life can be better for them. Absolutely. And learning better coping mechanisms. Because mm-hmm. we were raised in households and you're, we're generations apart, you and I. But I know how I raised my kids. And right. I didn't raise my kids with great coping mechanisms. And it's because myself and my husband did not have great coping mechanisms. Right. And I didn't begin to understand or even know how to utilize coping mechanisms until my kids got grown. And then I'm like, oh, I messed them up kind of, sort of. Let's see if we can fix it. So now we have the conversation. You know, now we have the, we have real life conversations. I had a conversation with my um, youngest daughter just yesterday about the superwoman syndrome. Mm -hmm. Because she don't let her husband do nothing. (laughs) And I'm like, girl, you better let them towels be folded ugly. Right. (laughs) But I remember running behind my kids, unfolding the towels and folding them back. But Mm -hmm. this is what I realized in doing that. It made my kids feel like what they did wasn't good enough. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many subtle things like that that we don't even think about. Mm -hmm. And that's one of my favorite things. Like when I'm working with clients and stuff, it's like, oh, I never even thought of that. I never even knew that that would have any kind of impact. And it's like, it does. Mm -hmm. The way that you show up for them, the way that you answer them when they call your name. Mm. Are you always like, what? Dang, huh? Like, they're going to feel like they're a bother to you. They're going to take that on as if it's something wrong with them. And they're also going to stop coming to you to tell you stuff. And I know that's not where most of us want to be. But that's the truth because you appear to be unavailable or uninterested. Exactly. I remember because um, life shifted in my household and I became like the forefront for work because my husband got sick at one point and I was on call 24 seven for 20, almost 15 years of my career. Wow. And I carried two cell phones the majority of the time. And I remember one of my kids saying, can you just put the phone down and talk to me? Mm. Got my hundred percent undivided attention. Yeah. Why? Because my kid is mine for life. This job can fire me tomorrow. Right. Right. What's most important. And I never wanted, although I failed miserably. Right. I never wanted my family or my children to feel as though I was unavailable to them. Yeah. And even now, if they catch me while I'm recording, if they catch me while I'm busy and I'm like, let me call you right back in X amount of time. And I will set an alarm. Yeah. To remind me to be intentional about returning that phone call. Yeah. Now I'm not doing that for everybody, but my kids, my grown (laughs) kids, because my kids are grown 28, um, the 26 and the 21 year old have birthdays next month. They are grown, but it still makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. And I think we don't always recognize that, but I love that. And, um, I try to be intentional about, you know, so I have recently started fostering a teenager and it is on its way to be permanent. And so when I'm on therapy calls or whatever, I try to be super cognizant of how I'm responding or 
that I'm not like, hey, stop doing that and all that stuff and making her like, ooh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Like, I don't want that to be the case. We're living life over here. And just because I'm busy doing something doesn't mean, I mean, she does it in a respectful way, but doesn't mean her whole world has to stop because I'm doing something. So even things like that, um, it just, you have to look past the now and what is this going to do to them in the future? And it's interesting. We always say, oh, one day you're not going to have your parents, but you could not have your kids one day too. Right there. Um, right there. And so cherish them as well, because I hear too much of, oh, when you get older, you're going to see at one point I'm going to be gone. Well, they could be gone too. And how would you feel about the way that you talked to them, the way that you treated them if something were to happen to them? Um, so I think we need to think about it both ways. I absolutely agree. And I think we have to have empathy, not sympathy, when we're dealing with it. Yeah. I just had, right prior to getting on here to record with you, was talking to one of my daughters and she was having a moment. She's yeah. feeling the pressure of life. And I'm like, okay, I hear you. I listened, which <laughs> I put my phone on mute to listen. So, and I do that because my mind, the way my mind works, I'll end up cutting her off mm-hmm. because I'm a solution oriented individual. So I'm trying <laughs> to give solutions. So yeah. I will mute for one because my kids told me younger years, the mm-hmm. importance of me listening to them. And yeah. truly hearing them. So I'm like, okay, let me put my phone on mute and listen. And when she got done, I said, what can I do? What yeah. do you need me to do? Not, I can do this, 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 and this. Yeah. What do you need? Because she may not need nothing. She may not right. need to listen. I just need you to listen. Or it may be, this is what I need. And she said, this is what I need. I said, give me 24 hours. Yeah. Right? But she was heard. She was validated. I did not minimize what she was going through. Right. Because I could have said, girl, I was a single parent. Suck it up. Yeah. <laughs> We've all heard that. Put your big girl panties on. Yeah. Well, what do putting my big girl panties on go make this situation any better? Exactly. It's not. So let's have a taboo conversation. The church. Mm-hmm. The black church. Yeah. <laughs> Pray it away. right there (laughs) right there that just pray about it yeah and after I pray what do I do right exactly because I still feel this way absolutely and you know I tell people all the time like it doesn't have to be one or the other um I can tell you that with my last uh major suicide attempt or I was having suicidal ideations. I won't say it. There was actually an attempt. But the only thing that kept me from completing that was yelling out Jesus. So not that it doesn't work, not that prayer doesn't work, not that God can't fix it. But at the end of the day, I had to then look at what am I doing? What is happening? What can I change? That is going to get me out of this dark place. So, yes, we can call on Jesus, but at some point we have to do something as well. And part of that is figuring out what the problem is so that we can make some changes. 
So if I'm hearing you correctly, and this is my mm-hmm. tagline that I've been saying for a while now, we need the cross and the couch. Yes. Somebody going to make a shirt. I'm going to keep saying that. <laughs> and somebody going to make a shirt eventually. You better do it first. Girl, <laughs> I got enough on my plate. But I need people to understand There is value in doing the work. I even have this conversation with my apostle, my pastor all the time, because when I get in the pulpit, I come from a very practical standpoint. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you this word, but I'm going to also give you some practical pieces because you can meditate on the word day and night. Right. But if you don't understand the purpose in the meditation and how we get it from the surface into uh, into our subconscious mind, right? Where we our belief system is. I don't care what I'm meditating on. I can sit up and process. Did I get that right? Subconscious? Yeah, mm-hmm. conscious, subconscious. <laughs> so I can meditate on, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me all day long. But if I don't get into my belief system, every time I say, I can do all things through Christ who centers me, you know what I'm going to hear in my mind? But you just failed that test. Right. But you just filed bankruptcy. But you just got evicted. But but if I keep processing, I got to uproot. I got to unbelieve some things. But if we don't have the tools to do so, it's never going to happen. Right. When we're dealing with addiction. I am mentoring a young lady right now. I'm working with her. And I'm not a doctor. I'm standing with her on a spiritual place dealing right. with an addiction. And it's easy to say, just let it go. Right. Really? Yeah. Really? That's what we're doing? We're just going to let it go. Yeah. When we know medically addictions cross the, are, are something that has crossed the brain, brain barrier that is now connected to you. Yeah, you can't just wake up and be like, I'm done, right? And we push people away from faith doing that because it's like I can go into it with all the faith in the world, all the faith that I can muster up, and then the next morning it doesn't change. Well, either this faith thing is not real or I'm not good enough. And so then you begin to have those kinds of thoughts and things like that. So we have to stop using the Bible to shame people as well Mm. um, because you're going to keep people from coming um, if you keep telling them just praying it'll go away. Well, what happens when it it doesn't? Then what? What do you tell them then? Then I feel even more like a failure. Exactly. But if you give them the encouragement to go to a mental health professional, not just your pastor, because he, yes, he has good intentions. He can pray for you, all of that. But there is something to this education thing <laughs> that we have worked all these years for. So also go to a professional and it doesn't, I think some people believe that if I go to this therapist, that means I don't believe that Jesus is enough. And that's not true. Mm-mm. Um, and I tell people all the time, you know, when I'm talking to my clients, I allow the spirit to lead me and what to say, how to do it. We may not be talking Jesus the entire time, but I am trusting the gifts that God has put into me 
even in secular settings doing therapy. And so you're discrediting that God could have made me for this. You believe that God made this doctor that treated your cancer Mm. or helped you heal these physical things. So why do you feel like God can't be using me for your mind and your mental health? Girl, you got me over here snapping because I can't clap (laughs) because the clap would be so loud. And that's the thing right there. We have enough in in the church. We believe the pastor. Mm -hmm. He's a man. And God, he's anointed. God has anointed him for the pastoral role. So could God not anoint the therapist? Yeah. Come on now. You said um, that's a whole message right there. So you pray and you seek out wise counsel. That's Bible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is Bible. (laughs) Wise counsel. Uh, Let's see. It all getting, get an understanding. Understand what therapy can do for you Mm -hmm. and how you can take Bible and your faith and the anointing of God and the therapy and work it all together for your good. Yeah. Girl, that and that's <laughs> it. And that's the thing I was telling someone in which we it doesn't happen in my church. But I've heard like mental health therapy shaming in the church. Yeah. And I'm like if we don't stop. Right. Because that will prevent somebody from getting help. And then that will be the same person that we end up burying, God forbid, exactly. 30 days down the line because they couldn't take it. And one day they woke up and snapped. And they didn't know like you. They didn't know to call on the name of Jesus. Right. They didn't know to call their therapist to get a 911 appointment. Yeah. Right? They didn't even know it was out there. And that is the very most important thing. And that's for all ages. Yeah, that's for all ages. And it starts, it's starting so much younger now. Yeah, I think the kids are much more aware now with it being out in the public so often. I love that they're not being shamed to express like what struggles that they're having. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to hear. I mean, I hear it every day. I work with elementary students so Mm. kids as young as four expressing wanting to commit suicide and it's sad but we have to listen and we have to take it take it seriously so not just oh you too young what do you know about this and oh it'll pass and blowing it off but there are children that young actually committing suicide and I tell parents because they're always like well does she even know what that means and Does it matter if she takes her life? She may not understand the finality of it, but what she does understand is that there is some pain that I'm experiencing, some thoughts I'm experiencing um, that I don't see any other way but to not be on this earth. And Mm -hmm. I need some kind of out. And if we don't get that for her in another more healthy way, she... I mean, you can't ever just say, oh, they won't. And then if they do, what happens? I remember years ago, we had a um, elementary family member on my husband's side that took her life because she was bullied. She was being bullied. And she had talked to several people and she just could not figure it out another way. And that is terrifying for me as a mother. 
Yeah. I remember when my daughter made her attempt and it was premeditated. She wrote letters to everybody. Like those letters were well thought out. She mentioned it to people and Mm -hmm. they didn't think she was serious. Yeah. Or did not know what to do. Right. Right. So they didn't do anything. And just God in his infinite wisdom. When she woke up, I was there. Yeah. The fact that she woke up was God. Right. Because what she took, she should not have woke up. She took 26 amitriptyline. You know and I know she should not have woke up. Yeah. Amitriptyline, Mm -hmm. she should have some type of residual. Uh, For sure. She has nothing. That's all God. Wow. But I had to make the decision. Do I send her inpatient? Yeah. And I had, they gave me the choice. And I'm like, absolutely. Because I missed it as a clinician and as a mother, I missed it. Yeah. So do her teachers. We all missed it. Let's deal with it. We all missed it. Could I have kicked myself? I did for a minute. Yeah. But then I had enough sense to say, this ain't about you. This is about her and where she is, and we're going to do what we need to do for her to be okay. To this day, six going on seven years later, she knows if I call her and her voice is not stable, in my opinion, I'm either going to show up or I'm going to FaceTime her because I got to look in the eyes. Right. And that's an understanding that we have. That's an understanding. Mama got to look you in your face. I need to know what's going on. Right? Because if God is my witness, I'm not going to miss it again. Right. But I don't know. I don't know that. But she has now the tools. She journals. She does grounding techniques when it comes to her anxiety. She meditates. She talks to someone. And she's truthful in her feelings. She knows she doesn't have to hide anymore. I think the normalizing I'm not okay. That statement right there. How are you doing? I'm not okay. Yeah. The normalizing, one, saying it, but two, (laughs) us hearing it Mm -hmm. and stopping right there and saying, what can I do? How can I help? And then being willing to back up the words. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Then being willing to back up the words. Oh my God, we could talk. We could talk all day <laughs> in this conversation because it's so much to unpack. It is. It's a lot. It's a lot. What would be your ending message about this topic? <sighs> what can we do? What needs to be done now? What action can someone take if they know that someone in their family needs help? What could you tell them? Yeah. Um, first let go of that shame and it's going to take some time but um, let that go don't let other people talk you out of getting help if you feel like you need help Um, I was on a training recently and they said um, well how will I know if I need to get more help and the answer was if you have a feeling that you need to, the answer is yes. So don't question it. 
just do it. If you feel like your child needs help, don't question it. Just do it. Um, I am always available um, if you want to talk or let me help you find some resources. Um, and of course, you can reach me, Notes by Kaya, on everything. Um, there's also 211. You can dial that in any state that you're in and they will get you some resources. There are several websites there for you for black girls. Uh, Com. It's either .com or .org. And then um, Psychology Today as well. Those are just a few resources to where you can find individuals to work with you. And just do it. Don't wait any longer because you never know how things can escalate and how things can change. So do it now. Mm, I love it. I love what you said. And you gave the information where they can reach out. Kaya, notes by Kaya is tremendous resources just by itself. Oh, thank you. I have sat there and I've been, you know, I've been watching you for a while now. This is yeah. the first time <laughs> you and I, I reached out before about connecting and I'm like, I got to make it happen now. Um, of course, you are one of Oklahoma's own. Um, so, you know, those know I'm an Oklahoma podcaster, although I, I, I you know, I interview several. But mm-hmm. you are Oklahoma owned, connected mm-hmm. by family. Consider your family my family and vice versa. I always have your grandma makes the best chocolate chip cookies <laughs> in the whole world. I noticed on your introduction post you missed chocolate chip cookies and I'm like, yes, because your grandma <laughs> makes the best. So I absolutely love it. Thank you so much for sitting mm-hmm. down with me. Um, sitting down with the uh, the audience of Conversations with Erica. Of course, we will put your information in the show notes so they can connect to you um, because they want to stay. They want to they want to stay connected. Um, this is great information for anyone, you know, whether you're auntie, whether you're a parent, whether you're a sibling or whether you're just a concerned neighbor. This is a vital conversation. Yes. So once again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very thank much. You. I so appreciate you and I just wish you the best. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, guys, this is the end of this episode. Go check out notes with Kaya LLC. All the information will be in the show notes. Have a great evening, morning, afternoon, whenever you listen to this podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye. Stop talking to you, Kaya. Bye. Thank you. Hmm. Did y'all hear that? Did y'all get that information? Whoo! This interview, it really made me stop and pay attention. Once again, it made me go back and apologize to my daughters. I never want to appear that I had it together. And being a parent, you only do what was done to you most of the time how you handle your children. Um, I came from a disciplinary household where there was yelling. There was um, a lot of stress and I wasn't an easy kid, bless my mother's heart. Right. So I took that into my household. I was a strong disciplinarian, but of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. When you know better, you do better. So now being a part of my grandchildren's life, I'm making changes and even with my adult children, I say, I'm sorry. I ask for forgiveness often. And after this conversation with Kaya, y'all know your girl. I had to go back 
and ask for forgiveness. And when you ask for forgiveness, guys, put a title to it. Please forgive me for this. I didn't know. I wish I could have done better. Don't just give that old vague, um, please forgive me or I'm sorry. No, put a title to it. Help heal. This is how we can heal the generations. So I hope this conversation with um, Kaya from Kaya, notes with Kaya, excuse me, Kaya for messing your title up. Um, I hope it resonated with you. I hope it did something to you as this is the last episode um, actually for Mental Health Awareness Month, which was last month. But I did not want to not have this conversation and I did not want to affect those that are listening, our listening audience with this conversation. So thank you for joining me once again. It's your girl, Erica Nicole. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys' support your downloads, your reviews, everything. And I appreciate you in joining in on this conversation. Man, this episode is a little bit long. But anywho, I just wanted to pop in and just thank you guys for rocking it out with us. Thank you guys for being a fan and a friend to Conversations with Erica. Keep subscribing, keep downloading, keep sharing, and don't forget to go over to Apple Music and drop your comments. Don't forget to drop your review. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know how the episodes are um, just resonating with you as we continue to grow because it ain't over. It ain't over. We're going to continue to do what we're doing. We're going to continue to operate in the space that God created just for us. So thank you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Real quick. Don't forget to go visit your girl's website, um, www.ericaspeakslife. The information will be in the show notes. Um, Connect with me. All the information regarding this episode will be in the show notes as well. Like always, um, don't forget to connect, right? From there, you can get to my Instagram, my Facebook. You can get into the Facebook community, Wake, Pray, Shine with Erica Nicole. You can sign up for the email list. It's all there at the hub. And the hub is... Erica Speaks Life website. So do not forget to connect. Check out the books page. Did you know your girl was a writer? Yeah, six-time best-selling author. Check it out. I got a new book dropping um, in the month of June, July. June or July, we'll start pre-sales. So excited. And this story is a story that I never told. And this story just revealed so much to me in the mental health um, space. So how ironic is that as we're wrapping up this book, we're in this mental health space and we're really, really, really talking about mental awareness. So go check it out. Right. I love you guys. I'm out.